0: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world.
1: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting today to over 60 countries from our new studio on Hollywood Boulevard, In the entertainment capital of the world, where entertainment and technology converge. I'm looking out the studio window and have the most beautiful view of the whole west side of LA from the city, which is crystal clear, right around to past Santa Monica, and it's just spectacular. So we're right in the middle of the third most important center in the world for entrepreneurs, startups, angels, VCs and incubators. And I want to thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. Now the sole purpose of this show is to help you to run a successful business and to give you tips to ensure that you're successful. Now we can't all be great at everything. So I want to help you identify gaps. In your expertise, I'd also like to thank Ken Rakowski, who is the, if you don't know Ken, Ken is the absolute doyen of business in the United States, and I want to thank him for having me on his radio show, Business Rockstars, the other day. Um, We are doing well with this show, but Ken is on over 150 stations every single day across America, reaching something like 36 million people. So, um, Ken's the king of the kids, and Business is incredibly informative, and anybody in business should certainly not miss it. Well, you shouldn't miss this one either, but you should, certainly shouldn't miss Ken's show. And uh, Ken's also the creator of the media entertainment technology offer leaders group, Metal, which uh, is the preeminent organization for industry leaders in America. So, thanks, mate. I really appreciated it. And I uh, enjoyed the opportunity. Now, one of the things that Ken and I discussed off-air was the fact that with the new focus on new media and the internet, many people have disregarded the exceptional tools that have enticed people to take interest in a product or service for generations. First of all, directing them to become involved and finally through to purchase And I've spoken to a lot of people who regard these tools as sort of part of the so-called traditional media, which no longer works cost-effectively, we all know that. However, this is absolutely not the case, irrespective of whether you're marketing through traditional means, you know, television, radio, newspapers, and whether it's with advertising or PR or promotions or any other traditional tool. Um, Or whether you're utilising the internet, be it YouTube or one of the social media channels, the reality is that people still make the same, still make decisions to purchase emotionally, and then they justify it pragmatically. You know, people, the mediums have changed, but people haven't changed how they make decisions in the last X number of centuries. Um, People still act emotionally, they get attracted to a, the emotional benefits of a, of a product or a service. And uh, it's critical that you build those elements into whatever vehicle you're using. And uh, in my books, I speak about the 11 elements that are absolutely critical to take people through that interest to purchase journey. And these elements need to be used in a certain order and in a certain weight, in order to guarantee the results that you require. It doesn't matter whether it's a newspaper advertisement, or an email sales pitch, or a promotion on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or any other vehicle. It's true that we've changed from a direct sales approach, to now we've got an information relationship building approach, which is much, much better, course, nevertheless, most companies will achieve far greater results by using the tried and true techniques of communication, and they're by no means old school. So over the next three weeks, what I'm going to do is I'll go through each of these 11 elements with you. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'll start next week on element number one, and we'll see how far we get, and uh, we'll work our way through it. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about just how important customer service is, and whether you're in a online business or whether you're bricks and mortar, great customer service will make more difference to your revenue, profits, repeat sales, word of mouth, and return on investment than any other action that you take, including releasing new products or advertising, doesn't matter what it is, you'll get far better results from customer service. And uh, we work with America's leading customer service strategist, John Scholl. And uh, John's the president of the Service Quality Institute in Minneapolis. So I just want to run through some of the comments that John made this week, interspersed with some of my own observations. So John and I both enjoy meeting and helping people. And great customer service comes from caring about your customers, taking interest in them, authenticity, and an honest representation of your business. You know, today, bullshit is bullshit. Doesn't get anywhere. So this enables you to build a genuine relationship with your customers. And this not only increases your return from that specific customer, but you'll also benefit from the word of mouth that flows from having an advocate on your team. And the keys to delivering great customer service are, firstly, be genuinely interested in your customer and you'll build rapport. You should focus on finding something in common. Make friends with them first before you try to sell them stuff. You know, your goal is to make customers feel that you're someone they can trust, Someone they can believe in and finally, someone they can do business with. Secondly, learn to ask questions that uncover issues or challenges that they're facing. By doing this, you can then go in and position yourself as the person that's got the solution to their problems. You become a hero in their mind. They will recommend you. They will buy off you. They will love you forever. Thirdly. You're born with two ears and one mouth for a good reason. You should listen twice as much as you talk. You should ask questions, listen intently, and don't interrupt. You need to pay attention to what is important to your customer. Now, this is pretty difficult for most salespeople because they're trying to think of whatever they're going to say to counteract the argument that the customer just put forward. But you must learn to be silent. Give your customer time to finish before you jump in with whatever the next thought you have is. Your silence, you know, it's an opportunity to listen not only for words and ideas but for feelings and to listen to what people are actually saying. A lot of people will say something don't listen to the words, listen to what the words mean. Because, you know, as we know, words can be interpreted a whole bunch of different ways and you can find yourself deeply in the shit without doing anything wrong. And as you listen to people, look for opportunities to ask questions based on what you hear. You should never be so focused on what you're going to say next that you forget to listen. It's well worth the time it takes to listen. Because listening multiplies the value of the information that you receive. And you also gain a reputation for courtesy and showing concerns for others. And these are both very positive traits for success. Now point number five is that you should tune into their problems and their issues. Think about how your product or your service can provide a solution to their issues. And if you're unable to, try and think of someone that can help them. Is there anyone that you can refer them to? If you can help a person in any way, you've just started a great new relationship. Now point number six is that you should avoid wandering and scanning with your eyes. You know, if you're talking to somebody stare in those peepers don't go glancing all around the room to find your next mark or to find some way of getting out of talking to this person your goal is one-on-one attention you've got to send the right message be open with your body language and physically face the person completely the most offensive thing you can do is to look around the room like you're trying to spot someone who'll be more interesting Now, people refer business to people that they know, people that they like and people that they trust. Think about when you needed a service provider. Chances are that you ask friends who they'd recommend if you didn't know someone yourself. Or you went somewhere like, I don't know, Angie's List and studied a number of recommendations from people like yourself. In business, it pays to know as many people as possible who will give your name, if if you if, if people ask, who do you know that's good at whatever, they say, oh, Bob Pritchard, he's fantastic, he's helpful, Those lots of people who will help you. Um, it pays to know as many people as possible who give you that sort of recommendation. And, you know, customer service is defined by maintaining old customers, attracting new customers, and leaving all of your customers with a great impression of your company and yourself, because that encourages them to do business with you again. When dealing with customers, you know, you should always be thoughtful, be courteous, Deal with integrity, be helpful and efficient, and be have friendly, and be friendly and knowledgeable, and always deal with people professionally. It's also really interesting, I reckon, that um, most companies believe that they give good customer service we go in and talk to companies all the time that have got problems and we say how's your customer service and they say it's great our customer service is fantastic that's one thing we really focus on and then you go and talk to the clients and the clients go their customer service you know it's okay but it you know it really sucks when you try to get more detail or whatever whatever I reckon 9 out of 10 companies think they give good customer service and 9 out of 10 of their um, customers say that they suck. So um, the goal has to be to deliver a great deal more than the customer is either entitled to or expects. Because good service no longer gets you in the game. Only exceptional service will create loyal customers. You need to bring absolutely wow, knock your socks off service to every single customer, every single interaction, every single day. Now also remember that companies whose mission is to make money almost always fail. You know, the aim of the Disney company is to make people happy. It's the happiest place on earth. Boeing wants to push the leading edge of aviation, taking on huge challenges doing what others can't do. 3M is seeking to solve unsolved problems innovatively. Now, you'll note that not one of these mission statements is about making money. Because if you do things right and run a successful business, profits are the reward. They come with success. Now you are a member of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management. It's the premier organization for business in the US And if you're serious about improving your skill level, accessing the wealth of information and the um, experts that are involved with AISMM, and you want to improve your status and your network, you should go ahead. You should join right now. Don't fart around. Go and join. Go to AISMM and join now. Now, my, um, my guest today is Sam Morris. Sam's an incredible guy. He's got a personality that won't quit. I don't know a single person, never met a single person that doesn't love him and think he's just the ant's pants as a guy, and uh, he's a terrific guy. He's just really cool, and he's the founder of Zen Warrior Training. You know, in 1999, just after leading a bicycle trip for nine teenagers across the United States, Sam was in a car accident. And it was caused by a drunk driver and left him paralyzed from the waist down. So Sam created a series. I mean, he's just such an extraordinarily motivated guy. I mean, if it happened to me, I I don't know what I'd do. I'd be beside myself. But he's created a series of mental and physical training that just seems to continually give him more vitality and clarity than he had before his injury sam is one extraordinary guy and uh, you'll find out what i mean when i come back with sam immediately after this break on the voice america business channel
0: Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing advertising, performance measurement, or some other area. Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents We're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting people. And we talk about the services they provide. And we try to work out what it is that makes them tick. You know, we all face adversity in our quest to build a business, usually as a result of our own actions or inactions. And often, entrepreneurs become disillusioned or depressed when faced with these usually self-controllable obstacles. Imagine, if you would, a devastating obstacle that befalls you that was of absolutely none of your own doing. My guest today is an extraordinary entrepreneur who I've got to know and uh, respect enormously. A warmer, more friendly, and more inspirational guy you'd never meet. And he's always there to help people. Sam Morris is the founder of Zen Warrior Training. Now in 1999, just after leading a bicycle trip for nine teenagers across the United States, Sam was in a car accident caused by a drunk driver, which left him paralyzed from the waist down. Now, rather than becoming the victim of these circumstances, Sam learned and created a system of mental and physical training that has brought him more vitality and clarity than he had before his injury. Now, just imagine that, going from being very active and fit and, and um, being able to do whatever you want to, being paralyzed from the waist down. So in addition to coaching private clinics, clients and uh, businesses in Zen Warrior Training, Sam teaches classes in Santa Monica, California. He does executive keynote presentations. He does Zen Warrior Training youth programs and workshops right throughout the country. He resides in Los Angeles with his wife, Megan, founder of Amber Yoga, He's committed to serving humanity through helping individuals strengthen their awareness of their personal power, and he certainly exhibits that every time I see him. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show.
2: Good morning, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Can you tell us a bit about why you were on a
1: bicycle trip with nineteen teenagers and, and what happened?
2: Yeah, well, uh, like you were saying, in the summer of 1999, I was uh, working for a summer camp that uh, they specifically led groups of kids on long bicycling journeys, and the longest of which was their uh, transcontinental trip. from Seattle to New Jersey, and uh, I initially didn't know that I was going to be on that trip until about two weeks before it began, and the director of the camp said, said, hey, Sam, I only have one leader for the transcontinental trip, and I need two. He said, I don't suppose you'd be willing to do this, would you? (laughs) Uh, I I was I was not one of those guys who was out to prove himself. I I never had that in me. But uh, but I was one of those types of people to take up a challenge uh, without even hesitating. And uh, so I went ahead and took the challenge and, um, yeah, we spent about 56 days on the road. Uh, We biked about a little under 4,000 miles. Wow. Uh, We camped every night. We cooked all our own food. And uh, it was extraordinary. And at the end of that summer, um, I thought, boy, I can't imagine anything more challenging than what I've just been through. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, ironically, it was only two and a half months after finishing the journey that uh, I was in the car accident, which left me paraplegic.
1: Wow, that's um. So, what was your when you first sort of realized, near in hospital, and you realized what had happened to you? What what were the first things that went through your mind? Was it despair, or was it?
2: Yeah, it was really devastating. It was. It could only be described as complete shock. Um, I I went from being a very uh, vital, um, very empowered individual, very happy. I mean, I was creating my happiness in every moment. And I knew that that was the only way to be happy was to create my own happiness. And as a result of that, I... I was, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, kind of a life of the party. I, I had a, a lot of friends and, and great connections with people because I, I brought my weather with me yeah. uh, wherever I went. And and when that happened, it was so devastating because my legs were my life. I mean, I not only was a, a cyclist, but I was also... Uh, an avid uh, skier and an avid snowboarder. And I used to hike just about every day of my life. And these types of things were just a natural part of my life that I did all the time. And so uh, when I lost my, lost my uh, ability to walk and all of my sensation and function from my waist down, I was just devastated. It was, I remember the, um, I remember the first several days of especially after the injury happened of just being in complete shock just thinking oh my god how how am i going to go on like this not even sure. knowing if i could go on like that
1: yeah so you had a lengthy recuperation obviously and that that period was obviously seriously tough so as as you progressed you you instead of becoming more and more depressed and feel sorry for yourself which I guess would be the normal reaction at some point you determined that this injury wasn't going to stop you and you determined that Zen Warrior was your way forward how did that all come about
2: you (laughs) you're well, still in it hospital was, at this time? Or? It was a gradual transition it was a very gradual transition and um, like all things, you know, it organically grew out of a number of years actually and uh, for a long time I had no idea that I was going to be doing this type of work um, this is only years after my injury happened that I developed Zen Warrior Training but I did, right away I took the attitude of okay you know this is it's heavy and once the once the shock was over i thought okay i'm going to take this on and i'm not going to let this get me down and i'm going to move through this i'm going to build my life i'm going to put my life back together now that being said i got derailed a number of times over the following years because as a result of uh, paraplegia sometimes people have um what are what are very similar to bed sores, uh, pressure sores um, from sitting in a wheelchair. That happened to me a number of times. And over the course of several years, I ended up spending over two years total lying flat on my back in hospitals and not able to even sit up to eat. And so that was that was by far the most challenging part of uh, the injury for me it was not the injury itself, but the hospitalizations from pressure sores by far the most challenging part of the injury. And so, but despite that, I, I used those experiences to cultivate an awareness of myself in the present moment. and, and, in the in the midst of those challenges, the silver lining was that I was developing this sort of resilient mindset that was would have been really hard to to cultivate otherwise. And so, um, while it wasn't easy, I was getting training in what would what would become. A big part of Zen warrior training down the road, right? uh, In terms of just learning how to witness my experience but not fall into a state of victimhood while going through these intense feelings and intense thoughts about hopelessness and everything else. It takes a very
1: unique individual, I reckon, to be able to do that. And you must be one in one in tens of thousands um, of paraplegic, probably, who are able to that a good friend of mine is um the fellow named w mitchell Mm -hmm. who um went through he was was a a big mayor in colorado and he went through a horrendous um accident on his bike and uh his attitude is that you know i used to be able to do ten thousand things now i can only do Mm 9999 and Mm -hmm. i've managed to find a whole bunch of things that i didn't know i could do Mm -hmm. (laughs) before So actually You know, I can do more, and it, I think That's that great. takes a very unique individual of which you are one. I'm, I'm. Every time I see you, I'm just so impressed with how en- enthusiastic and happy. I've, I've never seen you looking, even the slightest bit, down. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: I, yeah. And I can I, do I, that uh, easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, when I compare my present circumstances to some of the things that I've been through in the past, I am just, it's like heaven on earth, just being able to have a normal, you know, what people might consider a normal mundane day for me is an extraordinary day. That's Uh, fantastic. Yeah, and, and I just have learned to really... Live from my vitality. Uh, that's and cultivate that vitality, uh, so that I, so that I. That's how I move through my day. Yeah. So, what point after nineteen
1: ninety nine? How long? How long after that did you determine that Zen Warrior was your way forward? What happens? You wake up at two o'clock in the morning one morning and think, "Aha, Zen Warrior. <laughs>
2: that's me. That's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah, on that- my way." It actually came about in uh, 2013. Okay. Um, I had been going through years of um, psychosomatic training. So what I mean by that is um, meditation combined with movement training and awareness training uh, that was I started this process um, back in 2000 as a way of um, trying to heal my body and heal my also not only heal my body, but heal my own mental relationship with my body and my emotional relationship with my body as well. And over the course of years of basically studying myself from within, studying my whole inner experience psychologically and physically and so forth, I developed this, um, ability to be able to really read into people and read into their their psychosomatic nature essentially and really be able to 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 sense what it is about them that is creating movement in their lives and what it is about them that is creating paralysis in their lives and how they are relating to themselves in the present moment or how they are Taking themselves out of the present moment, and uh, and so in two thousand thirteen, I realized that I that this was my calling, that right. this was actually my gift, um, and uh, and so I I had to find a name for it, and so I realized that Zen warrior training was the best label that I could possibly give it because it's about the Zen is about being. Awake to the present moment without judgment. Right. So not getting caught in some sort of idea about who you are or what, why you are the way you are based on your past circumstances and not also not getting too distracted by the future and thinking of yourself purely in projections about yourself in the future and who you wish to be, but instead being totally awake to the present moment And then the warrior part of that is doing that with discipline and tenacity and courage and conviction and knowing that by being present in each moment, you're cultivating abilities to be able to be to live with more vitality and strength and presence um, than you would ever be able to otherwise. Well, next time I speak to you, I'm going to have to be careful <laughs> what
1: I say and my attitude. I don't want you reading too much into me. You, you might find a whole bunch of things that I,
2: I, I try to hide. Well, I know you're just trying to be funny, but, but I really. I'm not, I, when, 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 I, I'm really. You know, when I look into people, I'm always looking at potential and I'm looking at really that, that part of them. That has just extraordinary inner strength, and that's what I identify in people. And so I'm not looking at things in terms of uh, looking at the baggage. Really, I don't actually see the baggage. I only see the potential. Really. Okay. Um, <laughs> do, do you do you find um, that entrepreneurs, uh, people who you
1: know have the um, the, the guts and the drive to, to go out and, and do things that others won't do. Do you, do you find that they're more likely to be Zen warrior types than the average person out there? I know, I'm i not putting that very well, probably, but do you no, know I, what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think so. I definitely think so. Um, in order to be an effective entrepreneur, you have to be able to be present Yep. To to a degree, you have to be able to uh, assess your circumstances and assess your the world that you're living in in the business world that you're living in and really be able to uh, make very conscious choices from moment to moment. So it really requires that type of presence. Now, where entrepreneurs sometimes get, I think, a little bit hung up is, you uh, Projecting about the future, uh, having, having the mindset be wrapped up in concerns about the future that then can sometimes create a certain amount of anxiety uh, sure. that per- prevents them from being able to fully embrace the present moment.
1: It's very different when you're under, under that much pressure and you're working your heart out and you firmly believe in something and you know every second word you hear is no um whether you're going for money or no matter what you, what you're doing it it's very easy to sort, sort of lose confidence in the future um yeah so, so how, yeah. Does, yeah. how does how does we will get into then worry in a minute but um mm-hmm. uh, your your wife megan say um um founder of Amber yoga. How does that help you? Is that a, a big, big help to you? It's, it's wonderful. I mean, Uh, apart from, apart from the natural support that you get, um, from having a spouse that, you know, believes in you apart from that, um, how, how does it
2: help you? You know, Megan and I share so much in terms of, uh, the embodied practice, um, so much of Zen warrior training is about learning how to feel more embodied in yourself uh, in the moment. So so coming from a perspective, not just of your thoughts, but really being able to embody your entire experience and with Megan and Amba Yoga, she's teaching people how to do that same type of thing all the time in her own way. Yeah, and so it's there's a lot of crossover uh, between what we are doing, and and we are always learning from each other. Uh, we're always really advocating for each other's lives, uh, and so it's it's a really it's a great partnership. And we have very different skill sets, which complement each other and so we're constantly learning from each other in that regard as well that's wonderful okay let's get to the nitty-gritty what is
1: zen warrior training and how does it help people well like i come along to you there what happens to me
2: well like i said it's it's really about learning how to fully embrace the present moment exactly as it is and what i mean by that is being able to come come from an an angle and perspective where I'm not trying to push away anything. I'm fully embracing the challenge just as much as I am the movement in the moment. So what happens with most people is a challenging situation comes in and it's going to ruin their day. It's going to completely derail them. Right. Um, Because what's going to happen is they're going to get caught up at the uh, experiencing the feeling of I don't want to be experiencing this right now. This is messing with my day. This is messing with my life. And it's going to create a sense of worry and a sense of pressure. And basically, people are are, are, people tend to do one of two things, fight or flight. They'll go into reaction to what's happening to them in the moment well with Zen warrior training part of what I teach is how to actually not go into reaction but to go into response and what that involves is learning how to sense the feeling that you dislike right and not react to it and stay fully present and notice that that feeling is occurring and notice the associated thoughts that come along with that feeling But rather than react to it, actually use that as an experience to to actually learn how to digest that feeling, digest those thoughts, and then respond in a really conscious manner that creates movement and momentum in your life, in your business, in whatever circumstances you're experiencing, rather than paralyzing the person and holding them back. And so, essentially, it's, it's, it's a, a training to put you in more of a flow state where you are constantly responding to what is present without judgment rather than uh, experiencing ups, downs, highs, lows, reactions, that type of thing. So, it's about staying learning how to stay very steady and progressive in every aspect of life, whether that's in relationships uh, whether that's in your work, whether that's in your own physical presence, so that's that's how I train people. So,
1: if I if I'm experiencing something that upsets me, something a hiccup in the road, um, I was just trying to think: is is that is your reaction to that conscious or or driven by your subconscious? Wh- which is it?
2: It is driven by the subconscious and uh, and what happens is these these circumstances are as they are. we can't control the nature of reality, obviously things are constantly in flux, we never know quite what's going to be happening. we never know if you're going to get a flat tire on the freeway heading to work or you know if someone is going to you know, have some kind of emotional reaction that totally throws you off, and the thing that you're trying, the project that you're working on gets derailed, or whatever. These things are beyond our control. And, but when these things happen to us, the tendency is to have a feeling uh, that one dislikes, that that feeling creates worry or anxiety or frustration or anger. And then, the tendency is to to then respond or react to this feeling because you're trying to basically blow off the steam about it and yeah. and uh and not have to fully feel what there is to feel but essentially that feeling starts as just a physical feeling it's not something... And, and when it's happening at a at a uh, uh, when it first happens, it's happening just you're, you're having body sensations, essentially. You're having feelings in your body that you dislike because it feels that something is out of whack, out of harmony in your body. And you can't just simply enjoy your day and be as productive as, as you wished. Now, the unconscious behavior is to react to that feeling and then uh, either blame someone or get yes, all, all out of whack or <laughs> or whatever whatever it is, blame the circumstances, and basically to not take accountability for what has happened. Yep. and and by accountability, I don't necessarily mean responsibility, partly partly responsibility, but but more just accounting for what has occurred. so so rather than account for what has occurred, and then take a take the next logical step the tendency is to get all thrown off so that is an unconscious reaction that is a that is something where we respond or we react without creating a conscious knowing of what we are doing and the implications of our reaction yeah now the alternative uh, that i work with people on which is one of the things that I work with. There's many things that we work with, with Zen warrior training, but the alternative is to notice that and then learn how to observe the feeling without reacting to it, observe that and then neutralizing the feeling. Now, once the feeling is neutralized and once you observe the feeling and observe your thoughts and all of the stuff, observe the tendency to want to fight or flight, but not actually fight or flight, but just stay focused, stay present just cool down ground your body ground your breath everything else that needs to be done to be able to actually digest that feeling then you can take an appropriate response which will actually build you and build the situation build your circumstances as opposed to tear you down okay so i'm i'm sitting out there i'm
1: listening to this show and i'm thinking yeah i I could really do with some of this training because you know lots of things go wrong lots of things upset me I react in a certain way it depresses me then that carries on for a bit so so I think I'm going to try this Zen warrior training so I I phone you up in Santa Monica mm-hmm. or where, wherever and I say okay I want to start mm-hmm. what do I do how no. often do I have to go do I train simply with you do I need to spend hours every day training at home or how how does it how does it all come together
2: well the, the more the better first of all the more you can work on training your own psychology and training your own body to be able to respond rather rather than react first of all the more the better I do this for myself all the time this is how I orient towards life now that being said in order to work with me there are a few different options. There is working with me privately. Uh, there are workshops that I hold here in L.A. There are I can I do uh, business and executive coaching um, for those who want me to come and work with their businesses. I do uh, public speaking engagements for pe- people who are looking for a different take, a different mindset and something to just uh, a short takeaway. And I am also developing an online course study as well. Now, that is still in development, uh, but that's another option as well. So there's a number of different ways of working with me, but um, people can reach out to me through getting in touch with me over zenwarriortraining.com and uh, and finding it, basically getting a specific program that works for them and their exact needs. Now, I've spent, you know, a lot of
1: years... Um On an emotional roller coaster that is being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. um, I would think that I would need, because my brain and I'm used to reacting in a certain way, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I'm one of those people who get highs and lows, I'm either on top of the world and feel like I've just had a great snort of heroin or I feel like I've just had 53 beers and I'm really depressed, you know? Um, so don't I need to spend um, considerable time with you? My, my wife's sitting here shaking her head saying, why the hell are you saying that? It was the only example I could think of of real highs and real lows. I you know, it. I'm one of those people that does experience real highs and real lows. So don't I need to spend... Um, time with you just to teach me how, how not to do that
2: that's the that's the optimal the optimal situation is I work with people privately 60 to 90 minutes per week I give them homework assignments that help them to learn how to learn the techniques of meditation learn the techniques of focused breathing techniques uh, learn basically the system in a way where you can truly embody it and on a regular basis so that you can ingrain entirely new habits. This is all about learning how to dissolve old habits completely so that you can fully be in the present. And, you know, I, in an ideal situation, I would be able to work with, you know, tons of clients on a private uh, basis now, as it stands, I'm only able to work with so many private clients sure. on a private basis, and that's why I'm working on developing the uh, the online study program. Um, but getting the training to be able to put that into use, so that you're learning how to actually just sit with yourself on a regular basis. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs are out there going, sit with myself. Hell no, I've got way, way too much to do. There's no way I can just sit with myself. But I, I have to tell you, this is this is one of the most useful things you can possibly do for to build your business. It is to to actually truly take yourself out of thinking and into simply being on a regular basis ...puts you in a mindset that is so much healthier. This is why mindfulness is now becoming such a big thing in the corporate world. Because of this exact thing, people are realizing, I can't go on stressing myself out. And I can't go on stressing out my employees. I We have to learn something new. Because this old paradigm is no longer functional. And I know that people can be far more creative and far more vital... ...if they learn how to turn off their thinking minds... And And then use their thoughts to be able to back up their vitality and back up their direction rather than get in their own way.
1: We are running really short of time, but what are the most important principles that you've learned to live by?
2: Well, first of all, like we've been saying, being in the now moment is one of the most important principles that I live by. I am constantly training my mind to further degrees of presence. So being present is one thing, but I know that the day I die, I'll still be training in this. This is training to be more and more and more present on a regular moment by moment basis so that I can fully embody myself and not get caught up in anything that gets in my way. So that's that's one of the primary principles now. I would. I have a number of other principles that are sort of subcategories to presence as well. Um, being fully accountable for your experience. Right. Perseverance. Yep. Treating life as an adventure. True. That is really key. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. It, what tends to happen when we go into reaction is suddenly life becomes an ordeal and it's no no longer just this situation that we're experiencing our minds because they're not able to filter out our experience of one thing from the rest of our lives. The tendency is to go, oh, everything's an ordeal. My whole life is an ordeal. Well, that's a really negative way of experiencing yourself that will just lead to a a drain of vitality and a lack of presence. Sam, Uh, you are really
1: an extraordinary human being. I really admire your tenacity. Thank you. What I I like about you, you're the happiest little character I've ever met in my life. You've got, you've got this bouncy, bubbly, happy, um, very positive and quite forceful presence about you, and uh, I really admire that. So, Thanks, thank, Bob. Thank, thank you, Thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, if you'd like to know more about Sam Morris, simply Google Zen Warrior Training, that's Z E N Warrior, W A R R I O R, training.com, and uh, it would be. Well worth your while. I, I believe it would be a great experience. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight
1: Talking. Absolutely no bullshit radio show. On Voice America Business Channel, the number one global business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. This week, we're broadcasting from a new studio on Hollywood Boulevard, where entertainment meets technology. Now, very few successful startups are self-funded. Most startups require some outside capital to begin with. That's because startups want and need to con- conquer the world in a pretty short space of time because the window of opportunity can be short. So this rules out organic growth in many cases. And if your entrepreneurial instinct is telling you to start looking for investors, it's probably right. However, how do you go about looking for one? Here are some tips to help you get through this process, I hope. I spent a lot of my time raising funds, and it certainly isn't easy, and you certainly need to persevere and keep knocking on doors, but having raised quite a bit of money in my time... Um, you can do it. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Firstly, most entrepreneurs keep forgetting that the most important aspect of successful fundraising is selling. The internet's full of advice on how to pitch investors and write killer pitch decks. And usually the entire pitch deck is about how amazing the product is and what cool features it has. It's nice to have a great product, but in 12 months' time... 95% of all the great products that you read about today will be forgotten. So to successfully raise funds, 90% of your pitch should talk about how big the opportunity is, why the timing's great, what makes your market a very substantial one, um, how much pain the customers are experiencing, and therefore they're demanding this product, You know why people desperately need your solution. Um, how your startup's going to develop um, substantial ROI, all those sorts of things constantly reinforce that this is a bloody great idea, a great opportunity. The opportunity is now. I'd stay right away from saying this is the next billion dollar opportunity or that the return on investment will be 10 million percent because many of the professional investors know that... um, there are very, very few billion-dollar opportunities and that it's all hyperbole. And most investors do not tolerate bullshit. Now, a lot of investors love startups and want to make a change in the world. But behind all that stuff, the majority do it for money. So even though many love technology, what they really care about is return on investment. Secondly, if you sound like a salesperson, then you really suck at selling. So you don't want to go from someone in love with their product to someone who sounds like a used car salesman. That just ain't going to work. And most investors have had so many pitches made to them that they can pick bullshit a mile away and always have evidence to back up your claims. Now, before you start pitching investors... Go out and validate the problem. Show them what the customers said and what they're willing to pay for their, for your solution. Profile your customers and show that there are enough of them to make a, a substantial market. But most importantly, try to get some traction. If you have traction in what seems like a great market, investors will get on board. If you don't have traction, you need to show that you've got a team with a track record and as well as demonstrating that it's a great market. It's not good enough just to say, oh, it's a great market. You've got to prove, prove <laughs> that it's a great market. And uh, if there's no traction and the market doesn't seem large, investors won't care about your product. They won't care about your team or your company. And when you're talking about your team, make sure that it's a team that's got relevance to Whatever the project is you're doing, it's no use saying, oh, we've got Fred Smith and he won an Olympic gold medal in pole vaulting. You know, it might be interesting to you, but he's not going to be the least bit interesting to the investor. He wants to know that you've got a team of people that are good at what the hell it is you're about to try and get into. Thirdly, the more that it, you appear that you need investment, the more desperate you are, the less likely you are to get any. John Callaghan, of course, who's from True Ventures, recently said, The best entrepreneurs made me feel like the train was leaving the station, whether I got on board or not. And if I didn't get on board, I was going to miss out. Because fear and greed are two emotions that guide most human behavior. And investors, well, they're absolutely no different, but. You know, obviously, they don't want to lose their money. They want to make sure that you know what you're talking about, that the products sound, that the market is there, and uh, that um, they're going to get their money back plus a substantial return. Now, investment's something that should give your startup a boost. It shouldn't be something that you need in order to turn your idea into a business. If you need it, to turn your idea into a business and all you've got is a a few words on a piece of paper. You are not going to get investment. If you're determined, you're going to build a business with or without a VC. So keep plunging ahead and once you've built enough traction to grow organically, it'll be much easier to raise funds. It's also true that... Charismatic founders attract more capital. If you've got personality and you're confident and you walk into a room and you own it, then you're probably going to get an investor. And looking like you're going to make it happen either way and taking steps towards it will make your actions, words and thoughts align when you pitch. Now, I've... Um, I was going to. I said last week that I would um, answer a an email that I got last week from Spain, but I'm not going to have time again to do it this week either. Next week, I w- it'll be the first thing that I um, that I address. Um, so, send in your questions. Email me at Bob Bo- email me at bob at bobpritchard.com go to my website bobpritchard.com and uh, in the meanwhile remember if you're not really pushing the envelope and you're not really living right on that edge and really going for it then you're taking up too much space so get out of the road and let somebody else that really wants to succeed get on past. You know, it's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard, and I look forward to your company again next week when I will broadcast from our new studio on Hollywood Boulevard where entertainment meets technology.